Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Tom Hartman here with you. A couple of stories I just wanted to touch on. This, I think, is one of the most consequential stories that's getting almost no coverage whatsoever. You'll recall in Vietnam, a little over two and a half million Vietnamese died, at best estimates, and over 50,000 American soldiers. And we were lied into that war. The Gulf of Tonkin, that attack on the American, I believe it was a destroyer, whatever the ship was, never happened. It was just made up. It was a pretext for war to expand the war that Lyndon Johnson did. I mean, you know, it was a lie. Similarly with Iraq, there were no weapons of mass destruction. We knew there were no weapons of mass destruction. We were the ones who had sold Saddam those weapons of mass destruction in the first place. That was the Iraq gate scandal. This was 1990-91 that Bill Barr as attorney general buried. This is what made William Sapphire so nuts. The famous New York Times columnist who used to do this column called On Language. And the one thing he was crazed about was Bill Barr. He was the attorney general, and he covered up the sale, the illegal sale of weapons of mass destruction by the Bush administration and the Reagan administration, the first Bush administration, to Saddam Hussein. So we knew what he had, and we knew how out of date it was, and we knew how ineffective and what a waste of time it was. George W. Bush was lying through his teeth, as was Dick Cheney. Dick Cheney was going down to CIA headquarters and hassling people, something that had never been done before. Well, now you've got John Bolton going down to CIA headquarters. And they're trying to gin this up. Meteor Blades writing over the Daily Kos after pointing out, you know, that we got lied into two different wars. On Tuesday came the take of Betsy Woodruff and Alan Ronsley at the Daily Beast. They found the assertion that Iran was preparing to take action. This whole, the whole point that Bolton made and that the Trump administration is making is we're sending this warship into the Persian Gulf off the coast of Iran because we understand they're about to attack us or American interests or American allies. They found, this is uh, Woodruff and Ransley, they found that the assertion that Iran was preparing to take action against the United States was, excuse the expression, trumped up. In other words, it ain't happening. There is no evidence of this. If there was, it would be on the front page of the New York Times. They are lying to us to set us up for Donald Trump's re-election war. 
This guy has no idea what Iran is. He has never been there. He's probably never even seen pictures of Iran. He doesn't get it. That You're not talking about an Iraq that had been crippled by a decade of sanctions and a war George Herbert Walker Bush fought. And still, it's been, what, 15 years, something like that. We haven't been able to, to control Iraq. And we're going to take down Iran. Iran is a fully developed, fully modern country with a substantial military, by the way. I don't think that Trump actually realizes this. And again, November 10th, 2013. Remember that I predicted long ago that President Obama will attack Iran because of his inability to negotiate properly. He's not skilled. Right. So now we find out that he is actually lying, the Trump administration, because John Bolton wants his war. And Donald Trump thinks, hey, if I have a war, I'll get reelected. Meanwhile, the Alabama Senate has voted... The Republicans who control the Alabama Senate just voted that any woman who has an abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, and typically a woman doesn't even know she's pregnant, that's two weeks after a missed period. You know, I mean, in Alabama, you've got to start getting super careful about watching your periods or something. And then how long does it take to line up and get the abortion? And how long do you have to wait? And is there a 72-hour cooling down period? And do you have to go through mandatory information? And do you have to drive, you know, halfway across the state to get to the clinic and all this kind of stuff? Anyhow, 99 years in prison for the woman. And Brian Kemp in Georgia just promoted, I think they passed it, or assigned a death penalty for abortions death penalty. Over at a Make America Great rally, right, one of Trump's rallies, they cheered a joke about shooting immigrants. This is from the Daily Kos, the tweet of the day from Adam Best. And Donald Trump pardoned a soldier who had murdered a prisoner in Iraq. I mean, this is the pro-life party? Really? And finally, Nancy Pelosi came out and said, Donald Trump is goading us into trying to impeach him. No, he's not. He is seizing and consolidating power. He's eating your lunch right in front of you. And the more he does and gets away with, the more he will do. And if the Democrats don't stand up to this fast, we're going to hit a point of no return where he has consolidated so much power in the executive branch and possibly in the judiciary, in the Supreme Court. We have yet to see if, if John Roberts is willing to rule against him. But so far, John Roberts has been a loyal Republican all the way. Let's check in with Talk Media News and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and loving what you do, Ellen Ratner's new book. On the line with us, speaking of books, is the author of Sideswipe to the True Story of How Washington, D.C. Works, uh, former congressman from Ohio, Bob Nay. Bob, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tom. So what's at the top of your uh, news hit parade today? Well, Tom, you and I, uh, over a year ago on your show, we're talking about John Bolton. I know it's my favorite uh, punching bag topic, but yeah. uh, it, it's well-deserved. He's, he's one of the most dangerous men in the world right now. In the world. And we've talked about it you know, a long while back, and now so much has progressed. And just in the last few days, if we start to look at the pieces of putting this together, well, first of all, if we go back to the fact that John Bolton spoke illegally to the MEK, the Mojahedin Khalq, who were the group that was really responsible for taking our hostages, who assassinated Americans. He spoke to them when it was illegal to deal with them. They were still on the terrorist official list. 
And then he went recently, of course, as we know, uh, to speak to them again, as did Rudy Giuliani. And Rudy Giuliani was paid approximately, if I'm correct, Tom, about $150,000 by the MEK. So, you know, let's continue to look at these pieces. So Giuliani and Bolton both took money from declared terrorist groups? I mean, we put people in Gitmo for that. Well, exactly. And the fact of even speaking to them is one thing. Giuliani took a fee. Again, I think I'm pretty correct. Anywhere from, let me be safe, 100000 for sure, up to 150000 he took from the Mojahedin Kalk. Yes, right. he right. did. Took a fee. And, of course, he's the president's lawyer, and then Bolton's the national security advisor. Well, then, of course... The meetings that Bolton canceled in Greenland because of the, quote, crisis, and he had to fly back to the United States. And now he has canceled the visit to Russia. He's going to postpone it for a day, but he's canceled the visit today. And as Pompeo says, he's going to Brussels. Why? Because of the Iran situation. When you look at what... He's trying to get a coalition for an attack. Isn't isn't that what it looks like? Well, exactly. And, and here's the thing. When you look at what the U.K. and the other European countries are saying about the Brussels situation, it's multifaceted. Now, from their end, the U.K. and others, they're not pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal at this point in time. So they're thinking, discussing that, whereas our Secretary of State is going over there to say that the threat is imminent and, you know, and they're going to need their backing. Is this not shades of Iraq when we went to get the, quote, coalition of the willing, right, yeah. uh, to back us? And on top of it, Bolton's words, which in a rare announcement by a national security advisor about our ships heading there, Bolton's announcement, Tom, and you and I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, was clearly stated that and any proxies of Iran or doing anything, quote, to our allies. Now, what happened yesterday? Two Saudi tankers were sabotaged, correct, uh, off the, uh, the coast in the Gulf. Now, the country that's reporting this, Mohammed bin Salman, who, of course, is best friends with the president's son-in-law, the country that's reporting this is the same country that told us they didn't chop a reporter to pieces in the embassy, remember? Right. Of course. Yeah. And they are now, all of a the sudden, they have two ships that were sabotaged. This is all fitting in. And the corporate mainstream media is not even questioning Bolton's 20-year history of calling for preemptive bombing. In the Newsweek article, too, Tom, it was stated that people are saying out of the White House, sources are saying that the president has said that Bolton has already wanted him to start war in three different places on the planet. That's amazing. At, at the same time, Bob, today is the 34th anniversary of the police in West Philadelphia literally firebombing a building that the MOVE activists were in, killing 11 of them, including five children, and turning 65 houses in a two or three block area in Philadelphia into just blazes. Right. This is a pretty grim anniversary. Do you see is this the sort of thing that's gone from America forever? Or do you think that, you know, the FBI and the, uh, I mean, this was the FBI that was involved with this, as well as the Philadelphia police. What lessons have we learned? Well, unfortunately, uh, to answer that, I think that we have learned some lessons as a culture and a society through talking about it as you do and others. However, as a government, I'm not sure we've learned a lesson because let's look, after all, cocaine was sold on the streets of Los Angeles to be used to pilfer weapons to the rebels, right? So that's been done. But on top of it, let me go to modern times. People stood on the floor of the House and they told members of Congress 
there's this going on and that going on. I can't speak because I'll be arrested, obviously, mm. quickly if I do. But they stood on the floor of the House. Whatever happened to the accountability with those people? Why have they not been dragged back to the House in either private or public hearings to say, why did you give that information that created a war in Iraq? Right. Who gave you that information? Tom, I guess the government's never learned because it never even cared to go back. You know, and it's a sore point with me, and it should be with others who voted for that thing, because, you know, I'd like to be able to get those people uh, and say, why did you tell that? Yeah, you so voted for the, the war in Iraq thinking that the intelligence you were being right. given was true. Sure. And, and they've never made that accountable. So let's hope that they do keep it. I mean, I think we've come a long way, but I would still be suspicious of rogue elements in the government. And, of course, you've got to look at who controls the government and their style. Yeah. Talk about the Republicans? Is that well, right now, yes, sir. I mean, speaking as a former of, Republican congressman yourself, that's right. Yes, wow. sir. That's that's serious. And I, I think I think we have to watch that, and yep. it's not a good situation for Americans. And they're eavesdropped on, and they're told at Senate hearings they aren't. And if somebody doesn't step in to correct these types of things, and that's why I bring up this issue today, because these pieces are all all going together. They're looking for a reason to begin a war with Iran. The only other option is to then bomb parts of Iran, which would be a major war that would be into. But again, we're now relying upon the word of the Saudis, and our government's telling us, oh, you know, we've got to protect the, those interests. It's the Saudis. The so, yeah, so our statement, them. first of all, was if, if Iran attacks our allies or interests, now the Saudis allies. are saying, oh, we're under attack from Iran, and we're going to use it's that to start convenient. a war. Is that the bottom line here, Bob? With, within a week. Within a week. Yes, sir. Holy cow. Bob Ney, author of Sideswiped, former congressman from Ohio. Bob, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Talkmedianews.com for all the information. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Hey, Louise and I have been using CBD for a couple of years now for basically pain relief and sleep, but we had been using CBD that also had some pot in it, I suppose, because of, you know, it's legal here in Oregon. Um, but now there's a CBD oil that's legal all over the United States. It's the best quality you can get. And it's derived from hemp, which is, you know, related to marijuana, but it's not marijuana. And so it's, it's legal and it doesn't get you high. And, but it does, you know, have these extraordinary properties of uh, pain relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. It's from New Leaf Naturals. NULeafNaturals.com is the website. Um, CBD oil, non-intoxicating, so it's ideal if you're looking for the health benefits of cannabinoids without, you know, getting high. This does not get you high. It's non-toxic and has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory uh, properties. And the, th this is the brand that, that Louise and I trust and use, New Leaf, NU Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals, the highest quality concentrated CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the United States, and as I said, the only ingredient is hemp, so it's totally pure and simple and legal. So go to newleafnaturals.com, n-u-leafnaturals.com, to save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to n-u-leafnaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, to get 30% off. And if you're the first person to tweet me the newleafnaturals.com website, I'll send you a free bottle of New Leaf Natural CBD oil.
Wow, the Republicans in the House of Representatives, 183 Republicans in the U.S. House of Representatives voted against a bill called the Protecting Americans with Pre-Existing Conditions Act of 2019. And all it does is say that insurance companies can't kick you off if you have, or refuse to cover you if you have pre-existing conditions. Now, in the Senate, I mean, they actually introduced a bill last year, last August. It was called the Insuring Coverage for Patients with Pre-Existing Conditions Act. The Republicans introduced this in the Senate. It didn't pass. But the thing is, it actually reduced protections for people with pre-existing conditions below where they are right now under the Affordable Care Act. So, I mean, they're running this con job, uh, the GOP. Uh, oh, yeah, we really worry about pre-existing conditions. Nope, we're going to vote against the legislation. It is a con, just nakedly a con. Yeah, Donald Trump won a, a tournament in 2018, a club championship at Mar-a-Lago. But it's a weird little story here. Rick Riley uh, just published a book called Commander in Cheat. And Trump was playing golf, and he noticed that film financier Ted Virtue, a guy who you know, bankrolls big movies, was playing a round of golf with his son, who was 10 or 11 years old. And so Trump challenges Virtue and his son to play six holes for the club championship. And then I'll quote, this is quoting from Rick Riley, the sports writer. They get to a hole with a big pond on it. Both Ted and his son hit the ball on the green, and Trump hits his into the water. By the time they get to the hole, Trump is lining up the kid's ball. Only now it's his ball, and the caddy has switched it. Riley said Virtue's son tried to protest, uh, to protest, but the president's caddy said, no, this is the president's ball. Your ball went in the water. The guy cheats when he's playing golf with an 11-year-old. This is our president? Honest to God? And now Donald Trump is advertising on Facebook. The Trump campaign is advertising on Facebook. They've, they've been very aggressively fundraising, literally since the day after he got into office. That was the day that they declared that he was running for president in 2020. They've raised tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions of dollars. And now Judd Legum over at Popular Information, and Popular Information is a fascinating um, a new newsletter uh, website, whatever it is. Uh, you can, you know, duck, duck, go it. Judd is aggressively reporting on this, and nobody else is picking this up. The media is not picking it up, which is pretty shocking that the Trump campaign is running false ads, plain old flat-out lies, on Facebook. And they are literally reaching tens of millions of people every day. The lie that they're promoting right now on Facebook is an ad, and I'm reading this ad. I'll just read it to you. It looks like it's a tweet, right, from Donald Trump. It says, Donald H. Trump, but then it says, sponsored, paid for by the Trump Make America Great Again Committee. And he says, Democrats have finally admitted what they truly want, a repeal of the Second Amendment. Now, that's a lie. There's literally not one single elected Democrat who is saying we should repeal the Second Amendment. Not one. The only person who's actually come out and said this, to the best of my knowledge, in the last couple of years, is John Paul Stevens, who used to be a Supreme Court justice. He's retired now. And by the way, he's a Republican. He was appointed by Jerry Ford. That's the only person who said this. So Donald Trump, Democrats have finally admitted what they truly want, a repeal of the Second Amendment. It's up to the American people to stand strong and defend our freedoms. 
sign the petition. The Second Amendment will never be repealed. And when you click on that in Facebook, boom, it takes you to a fundraising page for the Trump campaign. It's a lie. It's a violation of Facebook's terms of service. Judd pointed this out to Facebook last week. And for one day, the ad was taken down, and now it's back up again. This guy's just rolling along. Now, stop for a second in the Wayback Machine. You know, this goes back to Donald Trump and his corrupt relationship with other corrupt oligarchs. In this case, the oligarch is Jerry Falwell Jr., who's the heir to a multi-million, perhaps multi-hundred million dollar fortune from his father, one of the most corrupt so-called Christians in my lifetime, Jerry Falwell, who said that 9-11 was caused by gay people. Remember that? And Pat Robertson was like, yep, sure enough, that's it. And they said this the day after 9-11, right? Gay people caused 9-11. This was God's wrath. Well, uh, this is from the Miami New Times by Jerry Ianelli back in December of last year. It's pretty darn curious that Jerry Falwell Jr. recently admitted in court that he paid $1.8 million to a pool boy at Miami Beach's Fontainebleau Resort who had befriended the Falwell family. And you see a picture of this guy. He's like Adonis, right? He's a very good-looking young man with a big square jaw and, you know, kind of rock Hudson look. Falwell Jr. and his wife appeared to have simply befriended, in quotes, the then 21-year-old pool attendant, keep in mind Falwell and his wife in their 40s or 50s, whatever they are, while the husband and wife were staying at the ritzy Fontainebleau. They then welcomed the pool attendant into their lives, flying him around on a private jet, and even put up millions of dollars to help his business ventures. The guy's name is Giancarlo Granda. In this court filing, Jerry Falwell, Granda is suing him. He wants more money from Falwell, right? And Falwell says, My wife and I provided a loan of $1 million for Alton Hostel's purchase of the Alton property. Later, my wife and I provided additional funds of approximately $800,000 for renovation. Now, what was the $1.18 million that Falwell gave the pool boy that he met at the Fontainebleau to buy? Well, according to Politico, it was, quote, a flop house that is, quote, gay-friendly, end quote. So I leave that, you know, without comment. Obviously, I, I have no problem with gay people, but I do have a problem with hypocrites. So now, step, you know, six months forward, well, actually, it was around that same time, actually. It was during the campaign. Months before evangelical leader Jerry Falwell Jr.'s game-changing presidential endorsement of Donald Trump in 2016, he literally, I mean, Ted Cruz announced his candidacy for president at Liberty University, but Jerry Falwell went with Donald Trump instead. Why? Because a couple months before the endorsement, Michael Cohen helped get some, quote, racy personal photographs buried. Cohen told Arnold, I actually have one of the photos. It's terrible. Cohen helped persuade Falwell to issue his endorsement of Trump's presidential candidacy at a critical moment just before the Iowa caucuses. Falwell subsequently barnstormed with Trump and vouched for the candidate's Christian virtues. Very interesting. What the hell's going on with this? It's just, it just gets weirder and weirder in Trump world. It's like grifter paradise. What do we do about this? You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. What does America do with a grifter president who is so broke that he's vulnerable to foreign influence? This is the Tom Hartman Program. 
Oh, and Marianne Williamson hit 65,000. She's going to be in the debate also. It's going to get real interesting. I'm looking forward to these debates. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's the Mueller Report. We're reading from page 27. This is still part one. And it's about the Internet Research Agency, the troll farm, essentially, in St. Petersburg, owned by a Russian billionaire oligarch. They call it the IRA, Internet Research Agency. The IRA operated individual Twitter accounts similar to the operation of its Facebook accounts by continuously posting original content of the accounts while also communicating with U.S. Twitter users directly through public tweeting or Twitter's private messaging. The IRA used many of these accounts to attempt to influence U.S. audiences in the election. Individual accounts used to influence U.S. presidential election included Tens underscore GOP, Jen underscore Abrams, claiming to be a Virginian Trump supporter with followers, and America First underscore First, an anti-immigration persona with 24,000 followers. In May 2016, the IRA created the Twitter account March underscore Four underscore Trump, which promoted IRA-organized rallies in support of the Trump campaign. Then about a third of the page is redacted thereafter. Using these accounts and others, the IRA provoked reactions from users and the media. Multiple IRA-posted tweets gained popularity. U.S. media outlets also quoted tweets from IRA accounts and attributed them to the reactions of real U.S. persons. Similarly, numerous high-profile U.S. persons, including former Ambassador Michael Maffal, Roger Stone, Sean Hannity, and Michael Flynn Jr. retweeted or responded to tweets posted to these IRA-controlled accounts. Multiple individuals affiliated with the Trump campaign also promoted IRA tweets discussed below. And then what's below it is a third of the page that's been redacted. Uh, It continues, now IRA botnet activities. We're now on page 28. In January 2018, Twitter publicly identified 3,814 Twitter accounts associated with the IRA. According to Twitter, in the 10 weeks before the U.S. presidential election, these accounts posted approximately 175,993 tweets, quote, approximately 8.5% of which were election-related, end quote. Twitter also announced it had notified approximately 1.4 million people who Twitter believed may have been in contact with an IRA-controlled account. Number five, U.S. operations involving political rallies. The IRA organized and promoted political rallies inside the United States while posing as U.S. grassroots activists. First, the IRA used one of its pre-existing social media personas, Facebook groups and Twitter accounts, for example, to announce and promote the event. The IRA then sent a large number of direct messages to followers of its social media account asking them to attend the event. From those who responded with interest in attending, the IRA then sought a U.S. person to serve as the event's coordinator. In most cases, the IRA operator, account operator would tell the U.S. person that they personally could not attend the event due to some pre-existing conflict or because they were somewhere else in the United States. The IRA then further promoted the event by contacting U.S. media about the event and directing them to speak with the coordinator. After the event, the IRA posted videos and photographs of the event to the IRA's social media accounts. The office identified dozens of U.S. rallies organized by the IRA. The earliest evidence of a rally was a, quote, Confederate rally in November 2015. The IRA continued to organize rallies even after the 2016 U.S. presidential election. The attendance at the rallies varied. Some rallies appear to have drawn few, if any, participants, while others drew hundreds. The reach and success of these rallies was closely monitored 
and then the rest of the page is redacted. Page 30, the entire page 30 is redacted. Page 31, from June 2016 until the end of the presidential campaign, almost all of the U.S. rallies organized by the IRA focused on the U.S. election, often promoting the Trump campaign and opposing the Clinton campaign. Pro-Trump rallies included three in New York, a series of pro-Trump rallies in Florida in August 2016, and a series of pro-Trump rallies in October 2016 in Pennsylvania. The Florida rallies drew the attention of the Trump campaign, which posted about the Miami rally on candidate Trump's Facebook account, as discussed below. Many of the same IRA employees who oversaw the IRA's social media accounts also conducted the day-to-day -day recruiting for political rallies inside the United States. And the rest of that section is redacted. Going on to item six, targeting and recruitment of U.S. persons. As early as 2014, the IRA instructed its employees to target U.S. persons who could be used to advance its operational goals. Initially, recruitment focused on U.S. persons who could amplify the content posted by the IRA. And then about a third of the page is redacted. Uh, it continues, IRA free, uh, employees frequently used, um, and then blank, it's uh, redacted, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to contact and recruit U.S. persons who followed the group. The IRA recruited U.S. persons from across the political spectrum. For example, the IRA targeted the family of Redacted and a number of black social justice activists, moving to page 32, while posing as a grassroots group called Black Matters U.S. In February 2017, the persona Black Fist, purporting to want to teach African Americans to protect themselves when contacted by law enforcement, hired a self-defense instructor in New York to offer classes sponsored by Black Fist. The IRA also recruited moderators of conservative social media groups to promote IRA-generated content. It's the Mueller Report. If you're like me, then safeguarding your money through market downturns is a clear priority, and frankly, We've seen enough market volatility to make any investor nervous. For people like us who think outside the box and read between the lines, it's becoming even more clear that the insider secret of accumulating physical gold is becoming a lot less of a secret and more of a trend. According to the World Gold Council, in 2018 alone, central bank gold purchases increased by over 74%. The bottom line is that we are starting to see the cracks forming in our economy. And the faster you take action, the better your opportunity. There's only one company I personally recommend in this industry, and that's the expert strategists at ITM Trading. They specialize in wealth protection and opportunity positioning. Both, as you know, are imperative in our current economic climate. Call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Ask for their free gold protection guide and hedge your bets like the top 1% do. Call one own gold That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. one own gold Congressman Mark Pocan is with us, the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, kind of the head progressive guy or one of the two, along with Pramila Jayapal in the House of Representatives and represents the great state of Wisconsin. And his website, pocan.house.gov, you can tweet him at rep Mark Pocan, P-O-C-A. And Congressman, welcome back. Oh, thanks, Tom. Glad to be here. Congressman, what do you see as the top issues that are hitting Congress this week or that Congress is going to be engaging with? And what are your thoughts on the state of you know, that constant kind of overhanging everything issue of the fate and future of the Trump presidency in the context of investigations and, and uh, possible impeachment, all that sort of stuff. Lots going on, Tom. 
that issue kind of dominating everything, right? Uh, no matter what we're doing this week, we're actually doing some bills to help reduce the cost of prescription drugs. We're actually doing a historic bill around the Equality Act to ensure full equality for the LGBTQ community across the, the country, and that will pass uh, Congress, I believe, on Friday. Um, a lot of good things going on, but often overshadowed by, of course, uh, this president, uh, his Twitter account, and uh, really what happened with the Mueller report and what's happening since then. The president's simply refusing, some would say, obstructing the investigation that has to follow by bringing in the various witnesses that we need to bring in, also obstructing uh, on getting the law followed to provide his tax returns uh, to Congress. And uh, in case you didn't know, I I mentioned he's obstructing an awful lot. Um, That's also what the Mueller report highlights, about 10 different cases of obstruction, which is why we're trying to get answers. So in many ways, Donald Trump is leading Congress toward an impeachment process, I believe, if he doesn't do anything, because we have no choice but to get information, and he is making it absolutely difficult. Pretty odd for a guy who supposedly is innocent and been exonerated, right? The executive branch, you know, the presidency and, and all the various and police agencies, the EPA, the Justice Department, I mean, all of this falls under the rubric of the executive branch. You guys make the laws and say, here's what you should be doing, and you appropriate the money and give it to them to operate. Uh, and then the executive branch has to operate, they, you know, to faithfully execute the laws of the United States, which is part of the president's oath, because he's, you know, branch two, which executes the laws, right. um, is saying to Congress, we are going to give you absolutely nothing about anything with regard to oversight. This has literally never happened in the history of the presidency right. of the United States. What are the implications of this? Well, it, it's huge. I mean, if we can't, you know, he's saying he doesn't even want uh, Mr. Mueller to come in, who wrote the report, who we know since then has written a letter to the attorney general saying you mischaracterized the report. He doesn't two want uh, two letters. And, we, and, and major witnesses like uh, Don McGahn, who are talked about throughout the report in the obstruction section, um, he's trying to make sure that no one can come and testify. And, you know, as long as this continues to happen, um, we can't get the additional information that clearly Bob Mueller laid out for Congress. So it's our responsibility to pick up the report from here, uh, not the attorney generals, not the president's, but Congress's responsibility. And if you can't bring in the witnesses, he's just going to bring us to the point that we have to force him to do that. And again, someone who's innocent doesn't do that. And I think he might be answering a lot of the questions just by his actions. Yeah. There you go. Nick in Chicago. Hey, Nick, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's your question for Congressman Pocan? Yeah, well, I want to say to, uh, in general that, uh, Tom, you do an excellent job. I'm a conservative guy, and I told you, screener, uh, you do an excellent job representing the progressive viewpoint. You're very uh, knowledgeable and fair. And Polkan, Congressman uh, Polkan, is also the same way, uh, very uh, impressive. For 50 years, I've been a political activist and always on the towards the conservative and towards the right side. And I feel that we're, all of us are fighting each other automatically, like, uh, like some votes in, uh, in Springfield, Illinois. All the Republicans vote only one way, or all the Democrats vote one way. And sometimes there's something for the people that's for the good, but neither side wants to come over to the other side and uh, break ranks or whatever nonsense is going on. Uh, I was just uh, wondering uh, what maybe uh, your, your guest there has to say, or maybe yourself, Tom. And that would be a very good show, by the way. Thank you, Nick. Thank you very much.
Yeah, well, thank you, Nick. I appreciate your comments, and uh, I agree. Tom's show is awesome. That's why I love to listen to it also when I'm driving around, uh, much less uh, getting the opportunity to be here. Thank um, you. Let, let me just say this, Nick. Uh, you know, part of the problem we have is, is you know, people like to say there's a polarization going on, but uh, there, there clearly is. Uh, that's stating the obvious. But often um, you can't even get logical votes. I mean, we, we put forward something like when the president uh, said there's a declaration of an emergency at the border. And uh, then he immediately went to Mar-a-Lago to golf and then showed no other actions to show an emergency at the border. Only 13 Republicans were willing to break ranks in the House uh, from a vote like that, which really is historic and going to set uh, the precedent for future presidents and how they treat Congress. And, and that's saddening to me because we should be able to work together a whole lot more on some of these issues because we are a co-equal uh, but separate branch of government. So there has been a lot of problems. Paul Ryan, I think, you know, never really stood up to the president or, for that matter, to the Tea Party within his party, and that's been a, a part of the weakening we've seen. But we're putting measures forward right now. We want to do an infrastructure bill, and the only way that's going to happen is to get Republicans and Democrats and the president together to put something forward. We want to address the prescription drug crisis, I would call, because the, the prices that we pay in the United States is so much more than other countries, and we need more than just lip service from the president, and we need Republicans to stand up to the special interests. Um, I think criminal justice reform is another issue that we can try to work together. But, um, Nick, uh, you're not the only one disappointed. I'm disappointed as someone who's there, because so often it seems like there's a knee-jerk vote to vote against whatever the Democrats are for, rather than realizing um, we have a responsibility as a co-equal branch of government to stand up for that Article I um, uh, branch of government. Jane in Gadsden, Alabama. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Is that me? That's Jane? you, Jane. You're on the air. Okay. Good morning, both of you. Um, thank you for everything you do. Um, I live in Alabama, and I am, I mean, I'm surrounded by MAGA hats and whatnot. And I'm really scared for the country. If he gets back in, which I think he could very well do because he's courting help again, and I believe it could happen. So I was, I had Stephanie Miller on a little earlier, and her, her uh, manager, producer, Chris, said something that gave me a little hope. And I want you to tell me if this is possible. It was about calling in the U.N. for election oversight because they do it in other countries. Why couldn't they do it to help us? What do you think? Unfortunately, Gene, that's going to be unlikely because I don't think the president will allow it. They tried to do that in Ohio in 2012, I think it was. And yeah. the U.N. tried to send observers into Ohio and the governor kicked them out. But there is good news, though, Jane, that I can give you that may not be that the U.N. can come in, but one of the bills that's being crafted right now by a committee, which means it's going to have a high level of getting through Congress, and we hope that we can get it through the Senate, is a bill that just addresses elections from the integrity of our elections. So the things that we've talked about before on this program about elections as part of our national critical infrastructure, so we treat them with the same protections that we have for financial institutions and our energy grid to make sure that we're having protection within our voting machines and a bunch of other provisions. And I think that bill hopefully will be a bill, as much as I just mentioned to Nick, we have a hard time getting things through Congress. This is something we should be able to see as totally nonpartisan. We just can't have someone interfering. And that could happen, James. 
That would be a fine thing. Yeah. It really would, particularly now that we've got at least one and, and probably four or five countries trying to penetrate our election systems. I was just reading page 35, I think it is, of the Mueller report, and they were talking about the efforts to, that were successful to actually hack into the voting machines, you know, the systems themselves. Denise in Calumet, Michigan, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, thank you both for what you do. Congressman Pocan, it just weighs on my mind constantly, and I know the minds of other Democrats, that isn't impeaching Trump now more important? If we don't impeach him, isn't it a gamble? I mean, I think he could win the election with all his lies and all the Republicans that are doing whatever they're doing. I'm just really afraid that we're gambling with our democracy by holding off on impeachment. What do you think? I'll take that offline. Yeah, Denise, let me separate impeachment from the impeachment process, because I think it's important. Impeachment's going to require Republican votes. So uh, right now, I don't know if that exists. What I do think uh, is on the table, uh, absolutely, and every day that the president continues to obstruct us getting witnesses to come to Congress becomes more and more of a reality, is we may have to start the impeachment process, which will then force uh, more information that we need to get about what happened uh, and get that out to the public. Um, I still can't guarantee you'll get impeachment because you're going to need Republican votes for that, but that process can get us the truth and more information that people will have, uh, whether it be for the elections or just uh, whether it be as we need to proceed to see if this president uh, broke the law through obstruction or anything else. So I, I think we are moving in the right way, and unfortunately the reason we're moving is because the president is continuing to obstruct now with witnesses coming to Congress. And uh, because of that, I think uh, it's a more of a reality. I think Nancy Pelosi put it almost best when she said the president seems to be self-impeaching himself uh, by his actions. And now we may have to, after we've set a few more of these deadlines that are coming up very, very soon, uh, look very closely at this. Trust me, members are having this conversation. Pat in Schaumburg, Illinois. Hey, Pat, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration to say this guy's entire presidency has been an impeachable offense. All we ever hear is about what's going to happen and the Mueller report and this is going to happen, but nothing ever actually happens. He just keeps rolling along. I'd like a concrete answer, uh, Congressman, if you would, to what can be done to stop this guy from literally breaking the law every day. Simple question. Thank you. Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's not a simple answer. I can't stop him from breaking the law every day, or I can't stop him from tweeting every day or doing many of the actions he does. What I can tell you, though, um, is that in order for impeachment to happen, you have to have Republican votes. We don't have Republican votes right now, um, but we are trying to get the information through the, the proceedings we have. The problem is when you set up a hearing and say you're going to have attorney general show up, like every other attorney general under former Democratic and Republican presidents would show up, and then they don't, that's new precedent. And this president, unfortunately, gives us lots of new precedent. And then we've got to figure out how to do this, whether it be contempt of Congress, fining, um, uh, all the other methods that we might have out there. So we're all in new territory. And I think, Pat, the best thing to say to you is, you know, we're all doing our best. No one's not trying to move forward as a country on this. But it's important to realize that this is new, uncharted territory for all of us. And I think we're all in this together. We're going to keep working to get the information that everyone deserves. And if this president continues to obstruct, we will go every step we need to to go after to make sure he has to comply. And we have to, we can have him not break the laws if he's breaking the laws. But there are some steps to happen. 
Dan in Waterloo, Canada. Hey, Dan, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey. So my father goes down to Florida for the winters. He just got back and he said he felt there was a good chance Trump would get back in, which was kind of a scary thought. But I was wondering, there's this talk about impeachment now. What would be the value of holding back on that in case he did get in for a second term? Because, I mean, I think that's where you'd see real destruction. Jim, repeat the Nixon experience. Yeah. Yeah, Dan, for me, I look at this as a constitutional issue and not a political issue. So if he has done something, uh, and part of it is they were trying to get the information to see if he actually did commit obstruction, which really Mr. Mueller is probably one of the most important witnesses we can bring before Congress. If he did something illegal, in my opinion, we have to do what we have to do by our constitutional oaths to go after him. We can't put it off for political reasons. I can tell you this, in a state like Wisconsin, that he narrowly won, and I think he won it because of how he talked about trade. We've been, you know, impacted pretty uh, strongly by a loss of jobs to other countries. He also has the biggest drop-off in my state of any state he won because of how he's handling trade, because he clearly doesn't know what he's saying. I mean, when he talked about bringing American jobs back, that was an attractive message. But what he's doing right now with the tariff wars, hurting farmers, hurting Harley-Davidson, which is made in Wisconsin, hurting a lot of things. Um, I don't see it. Even though he's got that hardcore support there, I still think he's going to have a hard time at his current um, rate of getting reelected. But that is a separate issue from impeachment. Uh, we may have to start this impeachment process uh, very soon because he's not complying. But again, there's no guarantee of impeachment, but there is a better way to get information to share with the American people. So I don't think he necessarily is positioned well for 2020. But we've got a very big primary on our side to deal with and just keep watching. Sharon in Fallbrook, California, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan. Thank you for all the work that you do. I, I have two questions. Um, what are the Democrats' plans to win back the Senate and to start getting the messaging out, not only about winning the presidency, which is what everyone's hearing 24-7, but the importance of keeping the House and the Senate? I think it's great that you guys are passing bills in the House, but so we don't get voter fatigue and um, like we did before, they're not going to see anything done because Mitch McConnell's not going to let it go in the uh, Senate. Are the Democrats gearing up to get the Senate back and keep the House and, and get the voters engaged in, in these races and more local races? And what are they doing? Because I'm hearing some voter fatigue over, like, like people are starting to feel like their vote isn't counting. So a couple of things. Uh, one, I mean, what we're doing that we haven't been able to do for the last eight years in Congress is showing that we can pass legislation that will help the American people to lower prescription drug prices, lift their wages, invest in infrastructure, clean up the mess of the special interest in Washington, D.C., deal with climate change and a whole lot more. And we can do those bills, pass them out of the House. That's what would happen if you had a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president. But we're blocked over and over by Mitch McConnell. And the more we can show people... Uh, uh, from gun violence prevention uh, to bills uh, to rebuild our infrastructure and everything else in between, uh, that is the, the block. Then senators have to respond on why they're not supporting these things. And I think that's the best path um, to, to really win back the senators to show what could happen if you had Democratic senators in place. And the same is true at the White House, although I think uh, sometimes Donald Trump um, you know, dominates uh, that more than maybe some of our messaging on issues. And that also may be dominant in the Senate race uh, our job, though, is at least to show people what that alternative path is. 
Lewis in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, before I ask my question, I got a quick sentence I'd like to throw in there. Uh, I'd be more than happy to see you guys impeach Trump. Matter of fact, I demand it. I'd like to, uh, you people see what would happen if you did. Now, for my question, um, I'm wondering, is there any way we can get Congress and the Senate to work together to get some sort of bill passed um, to get Trump and future presidents to address this uh, trade imbalance with China? Yeah, Louis, so first of all, uh, please call Ron Johnson because we need Ron Johnson uh, to understand that people in Wisconsin want to impeach him because that's the barrier we have right now is getting Republican votes. So um, anyone calling your Republican representative or senator is helpful on that front. Um, On trade, uh, the real problem we have is, you know, Democrats have always been more traditionally fair trade. Republicans have been a little more so-called free trade, uh, which has been where we saw so many jobs leave this country and, and created the imbalance that we have. Uh, what you need to do really is have a Democratic president, Senate, and uh, Congress to probably proceed these days uh, on trade. Unfortunately, Republicans um, have this very different view of trade that does not support jobs uh, continuing to be in America. It, it puts a real uh, imbalance in what's out there. And this president has no idea what he means by trade, even though he's talked a good talk on American jobs, all of his actions have been counterproductive, uh, and even on the so-called NAFTA 2.0, um, the labor provisions simply aren't enforceable uh, that he claimed he got that are better, uh, and he's got provisions in there that Canada and Mexico didn't ask for for big pharma, even though the president tells us he's trying to lower the price of prescription drugs. So when we get a real political party that's not just uh, you know following their leader no matter what he does, we might have a better chance to work in a bipartisan way, but for now, the Democrats uh, are moving forward on their fair trade principles, and uh, I would hope that that would be the best path forward for this country. Okay, let's try Russ in Portland, Oregon. Russ, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, I wish the congressman uh, would be a little more precise. Uh, in point of fact, we, we do not need any Republican votes to impeach in the House of Representatives. We would have to have them to convict in the Senate. And if you're going to wait for that, you might as well just pass a bill that the Senate would vote for, which would be to declare this man president for life. We don't need Republican votes in the House to impeach. And I'd like to point out what Lawrence Tribe said on the May 7th edition of The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell. Professor Tribe said, knowing what we now know about Trump, not to impeach is cowardice. And cowardice is a betrayal of the Constitution. We need to impeach now. I've been saying it as clear as I can, and and if you don't care for the final action, you just want an impeachment in words only, yes, you can just have the House do something. I'm in the world of reality where if you really want to go after someone who's broken the law, we need to go after someone who's broken the law, but we don't have the Republican votes to yet in the Senate. So uh, we have to make the case, and we have to do it well in the House. Uh, We thought we would get some of these witnesses to get some clarity to see the next steps. Witnesses aren't coming because the president's not allowing them. I think this is going to force the impeachment process to begin in the House. Um, But uh, I think uh, you have to understand uh, that those steps kind of had to happen or else even with a small margin that we have, uh, you don't necessarily have every vote of ours lined up. Uh, I do think we're moving in the right direction to get all those votes lined up. But I care 
that we actually go after someone who's broken the law if they broke the law, and that means the Senate matters too, and the rest is just politics, and I don't, I don't think that serves us well if we don't do the full process. Yeah, I think it was Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, if you are going to strike the king, you must kill the king. Now, obviously, yeah. it's a metaphor, and nobody's talking about killing right. Trump, except politically, and that's something that would have to happen in the Senate. You're listening to Tom Hartman. What's the first thing you do when you get into a new car? You adjust the seat, right? Most cars only allow you to move the seat front or back, but if it's a luxury car, you can adjust your lower back or lumbar support. Well, most of us spend more time in our office chairs than we do in our cars. And how many adjustments can you make to your office chair? If it's any fewer than 10 customized ergonomic adjustments, then you do not have an X-chair. I can adjust my X-chair to fit my body perfectly, and thanks to the X-chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support, or DVL, my back gets the perfect level of support. DVL is the key to ideal posture, comfort, and productivity, and only the X-Chair has it. My X-Chair is on sale now for $100 off. Just go to xchairtom.com. That's xchairtom.com. Or call 1-844-4X-Chair. X-Chair comes with a 30-day, no questions asked guarantee of complete satisfaction, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairtom.com, use the code XWheels, and you'll receive a free set of the new X-Wheels to go with your chair. That's xchairtom.com. Andy in Belmont, Michigan, listening on WPRR. You're on the air with Congressman Pokin. Is anybody in the House looking at the uh, the money the Russians give to the NRA and they supply to the Republican Party? They got all that money from Russia, and I'd like to know who got it on the Republican side. And I'll take my uh, question off the air. Yeah, Andy, I mean, those are all the, some of the components that various committees are looking at. And um, uh, part of why we would like to, again, have some of the major witnesses, especially Mr. Mueller, come before Congress, because they can share so much more with us. That first 180 or so pages of the Mueller report that lay out the Russian involvement is really crucial. Um, and, uh, you know, the, we are crafting a bill right now that we hope that can go through both houses to actually protect our elections, because when you read the Mueller report, and as, as Tom has been reading it on air, one of the things that really struck me is that uh, you're told over and over you can't talk about Russian interference in the election in 2020 to the president because he thinks that uh, somehow that delegitimizes him as president, thinking about himself, not the country. Well, the country, Democrat and Republican, have to make sure countries can't interfere with our elections. So I'm hoping that we can move that forward. I'm hoping we can look at some of these other things that happened in this context. But I find it absolutely stunning that, what was it, a week or two ago when the president spent 90 minutes on the phone with Vladimir Putin and didn't even bring up the interference in our elections. Boy, I think that was one more of the new points of presidency under this president that uh, is just stunningly amazing to see this guy do. Yeah, to say the least. Jim in Muskegon, Michigan, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Gentlemen, it's a real pleasure talking to you in these uh, appalling times. Thanks for all you're doing. And uh, would Teflon Don be a new good nickname for our president? Because he's the new John Gotti, right? <laughs> it's like Teflon Reagan, too. Te- Teflon yeah. Don. Brad in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Hey, Brad, thanks for listening to Chicago's Progressive Talk. You're on the air with Congressman uh, Pocan. Supposedly with these trade negotiations that just recently ended for the, this round, Trump said the Chinese reneged on something, 
but I never heard what it was. And then at the same time, he comes out the next day talking about, well, the Chinese left because they were getting, they had such a bad deal. They figured they'd wait until, until the next, you know, round because we were beating them so bad. I, my question to you, Congressman Polkan, is. Can the Democrats make a case that Trump has no interest in true negotiating? He has simply an interest in dominating to, uh, with the aim of unconditional surrender. And uh, I'm just wondering what you, you know, does it, it's because it sure sounds like he's just another little Hitler. Yeah, Brad, um, you got a lot there. Let me say this on uh, Donald Trump and trade. I don't think Donald Trump understands trade at all. I think his U.S. trade representative um, does, uh, and we just met with him as a progressive caucus last week, uh, shared our concerns on the, the new NAFTA deal. Um, and I think that, you know, for us to really have uh, trade, we need a president who kind of understands it, and he doesn't. He understands, he has to tell people we need to bring jobs back to this country, but he himself, through his businesses, uh, buys products from overseas. Um, you know, he's, he's a total hypocrite when it comes to trade, and I have no idea what he meant by, uh, you know, saying that they were close to a deal, and then China, this is all Donald Trump land, uh, which is a fantasy land that he exists through his head, uh, and his head alone. Um, so, I can't tell you, all I know is every time he tries to act tough, and he does some of these tariffs uh, that aren't targeted. You can do good tariffs in very targeted-specific ways. I don't think he's doing that. The retaliation right now is costing soybean farmers and uh, cheesemakers and dairy farmers uh, in Wisconsin. It's costing uh, Harley-Davidson. It's doing things across the country, uh, but it's his damage because he doesn't know what he's doing, and we just need him to understand a coherent trade policy, but he doesn't seem to understand it himself. Jim in Champlin, Minnesota, listening to AM 950. You're on the air with Congressman Pokian. Hi, Tom. Hi, Congressman. Hey, quick quick yep. note. Uh, I hear the Republicans talking about low unemployment. I'm waiting for a Democratic candidate or Congress people to start talking about the baby boomers being more responsible for the good job market than anything else right now. 10,000 baby boomers retire every day, and I don't think they're getting 10,000 new jobs a day. So I just wanted to, well, I don't know why Democrats aren't talking about that, because that's something that Trump could run on and maybe win on next time. If, if That's if why the unemployment rate the is so low, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think, exactly. You know, one other thing, Jim, that's important and I think uh, is significant is uh, people's wages, they don't feel like their wages have gone up in the same way. So even though he's claiming unemployment's low, if people still don't feel their condition is good, and we're seeing this through some polling and focus group information, that he's, they're not buying it. I mean, he should, based on where the economy's at, from the direction under President Obama to now, um, he should be at 65 70% in the polls if he was a normal president. Um, based on the economy that was already started way before Donald Trump ever got there. Uh, but the fact that he does so many other things that the public doesn't agree with, about, with him on, which is why he's still lingering in that 35 to 40 percent pretty regularly. And he can try to point to unemployment, but people can look at their own situation. And if they don't have health care for their family and they don't have a wage rising like they've been told uh, wages are rising, they're not going to necessarily be with him. And I think we are seeing that phenomenon. Gloria in Shannon, North Carolina. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I just wanted to suggest to Congressman Pocan and, and all the rest of the Democratic representatives 
Chris Matthews made a statement one night last week on his one of his shows. He said whenever the press, which they always do uh, push a camera in, in your face, when they talk about impeachment, whatever your position is on impeachment, but just ask the question, what does he have to hide? What is he hiding? Why is he doing this? And I think that that would eventually get through to a whole lot of people. Mm. And uh, that was my comment, and I'd like for Congressman to, to comment on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with Gloria on that. If, if literally every time any Democrat had a camera turned on to them, the first thing they said is, I'm wondering what Trump is trying to hide, and then <laughs> went from there. What do you think? Well, and I think that's exactly what Leader Pelosi has been doing by saying, let's bring in a few of these key witnesses and then he blocking them from happening and she started to say why is he obstructing this if he's you know right. if he's exonerated why would he not want people to be able to come and talk to congress and then also he's also contradicted himself by saying these are charges that he hasn't been able to respond to again why wouldn't you want those people to then be able to char- respond to these charges i mean you should want to give them a ride yourself i think is what david Cicilline said to testify if you truly are innocent but by all his actions he certainly looks like a guilty person so i use that all the time because i i come from wisconsin i always say if it doesn't pass the smell test what he's doing doesn't pass the smell test and i think that ultimately puts us in the best position to show that this guy is just not telling the truth okay larry in kellogg idaho a quick question for congressman pocan please yeah on these uh, pension plans that's been ripped off for about the last 60 years out what does he think about uh, if the democrats come in full control of the white house in 220 that they'll replenish them pension plans and make them good? Or does he think that the unions would be better off to go straight to Switzerland, to the United Nations, the Human Rights Commission, and petition them and come in the back door and get them that way? Yeah, Larry, I I think, you know, as you know, right now, the Butch Lewis Act is in Congress. A lot of Democrats supporting that, trying to fix the pension issue. I do think if you get a Democrat in 2020 and a Democratic Senate, we can actually address this issue. But um, you can't have people uh, retiring and losing 40 to 60 percent of their pension. Yeah, these these uh, this change in rules during the uh, Trump or during the uh, Reagan administration, where they let companies book pensions as assets rather than liabilities is insane and, and fed to this whole thing. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for being with us today. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Keep up the great work, please, in Congress. Thank you. Pocan.house.gov. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Gordon in Stamford, Connecticut. Hey, Gordon, what's on your mind today? I had an idea on how we could improve the ethics greatly increase the ethics in the House and the Senate by having a system of compulsory recusal. That means that if any representative or senator received monies from any donor, they should be forbidden to debate or vote on issues relating to that company. That's great. You're going a whole big step beyond what I did. I, in my uh, book, uh, Rebooting the American Dream, I had a chapter called Make Congressmen Wear uh, NASCAR Patches, or Members of Congress Wear NASCAR Patches, you know, to indicate who their donors are. But you're suggesting that they simply should not be able to vote on any legislation that would benefit an industry that has donated money to their campaigns. I think that's brilliant, Gordon. Have you presented this to any politicians? Have you heard anything about this? No, you're the first person, Tom. I hope that you could maybe promote this. 
they could include this in bill number one because there is an ethics, there's some ethics thing there. Yeah, except HR one has already passed the house, so they're not going to modify that. But you know, I think it's a it's a brilliant, a brilliant idea. Gordon, thank you very much for the call. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Democracy really, I mean, the whole idea of democracy is the demos. It's us, right? The people. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 